0: Today I've got something special in store for you, an exclusive flashback episode. These interviews, which I'll run a handful of times a year, feature guests from my transformational author experience, an online training I ran from 2011 to 2018 featuring top authors, publishers, and industry leaders. Some of these interviews are just too good to keep locked up in cyberspace any longer. So I'm bringing you one of my favorites today.
1: Welcome, everyone. It's Christine Closer here, the Transformation Catalyst and award-winning author and the creator of this Transformational Author Experience. And I am so excited to be back here with you. We're in Class 2 of a 22-class, I guess we could possibly call it a marathon here at the Transformational Author Experience, a global event where you are discovering truly how to transform yourself your readers, your business, and ultimately the world with your book. So welcome to those of you returning from the kickoff call we just had where you learned a lot more about those four levels, self, reader, business, and world. And another warm welcome also to those of you who might not have been here for the first class and you're tuning in for the first time now for the amazing Panache Desai Um, as we continue here on step one of our curriculum on paving your path for transformation. So that's what we're up to here because each and every one of you are here right now because there's something that you feel inside. I've heard from some of you. You've had your book stuck in there, some of you for decades, some of you for a few months. But all of you feel this call, and if the book is already written, you feel this is desire to impact more people with it. If it's not written yet, you are yearning to get it out, get it onto the page. You know, put your soul out there, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your experience out there um, in service to your own transformation and in service to the transformation of those who are waiting to read your book. So I just want to say right now that I firmly believe that you're in the right place at the right time for the right reason. Um, also a little bit of a you know, strap on your seatbelt. This is only day one. Uh, we have another nine full days of training to go after this. And it's it 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 can, this program can and will transform you, your book, and your life if you allow it to. And I feel like what we're moving into now with Panash Desai, the topic being, you know, how to discover and discovering your soul's signature. Um, some of you, this is going to be a call that just opens up a whole new way of being for you, um, perhaps brings a sense of peace um, for you on your journey that you haven't felt for ever or a long time. Um, so that's kind of what's uh, what's on par for right now. We'll get into all the details of writing the book and how do you get an agent and how do you market it and do you self-publish or traditional publish. We're going to cover all of that, okay? Um, Right now we're preparing you for the journey. So if there's a part of your mind that's saying, "I, I, I want to know how to write it, I want to know how to get an agent, how do I do my proposal, let that part of your mind just be quiet for now. Let it rest. Acknowledge that it's there. Don't fight it, certainly. Um, but just notice that now, just practice being right here right now for what you may receive on a personal, uh, spiritual level that's going to prepare you and help you really experience um, more ease, more grace, more joy um, in the rest of the process that we go through here for the next, uh, next couple weeks. So, for those of you that don't know my guest, Panash Desai, he's the author of a brand new book called Discovering Your Soul Signature, published by Random House. He's a contemporary thought leader whose message of love and self-acceptance has drawn thousands of people from around the world to his seminars and his workshops a highly sought-after speaker featured regularly in print, online, and broadcast media. Panash recently, some of you may have seen him, on Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday. That's her award, Emmy Award-winning series. Um, he's also considered a top-tier faculty member at the Omega Institute and is a featured speaker at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, I Can Do It, the Hay House Conference, and also Celebrate Your Life. In addition to that, he's a regular contributor to the Huffington Post. So welcome, Panash. I'm so excited that we're here.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here and with everyone that's tuning in for this.
1: Yes. Um, First thing I want to say is just congratulations on the success of your new book, um, Discovering Your Soul Signature. I think that was your first book, and it was published through Random House, which is one of the biggest publishers on the planet, And I would just love for everyone who's listening, you know, hoping that someday maybe they would end up a published author with a company, you know, a publishing house like Random House. Um, Can you just share just a little bit of your journey, um, what it was like for you to write that book and now see that book published?
2: Well, I think the journey in writing the book is a deeply personal and cathartic one. Um, Quite frankly, in writing the book, I was able to go – to a deeper level of relationship with myself. And there's something about committing words to a page that allows you to do that. The creative process is in fact a very spiritual process. And creativity for me has the ability to draw up everything within us that is false, that we have to look at. And so there's this greater act of creation that I was involved in. And You know, and this act of creation began right after the Oprah interview. And so literally, it's like this huge light gets shone on you. And then all of a sudden, you get this book deal with Random House, which is, of course, now Random Penguin House, one of the biggest publishers in the world. And Mm -hmm. here you are with your first book. And what I discovered, actually, was that writing the book happened at exactly the right moment in my life. It's like Oprah shone this huge light on me. And then what was left for me to see was my shadow with the parts of myself that I hadn't embraced and hadn't accepted. And so literally it became a deeply transformative personal journey whereby I was able to be vulnerable and raw in it in a way that is very unique than being vulnerable and raw on a call like this or in a seminar or a workshop. When you're vulnerable and raw in a book, that book is going to outlive you. It has the potential of being seen by millions of people. And it's a whole new level of vulnerability. And so for me, I was able to go back to different parts of myself and embrace them. I was able to feel the underlying emotional content that was still there from parts of myself that I hadn't revisited in a long time. And, you know, subsequently in writing this book, I mean, I lost 30 pounds and, you know, my whole life shifted. And I always say to people that, you know, what we do, ultimately we do for ourselves. You know, it's, it's, it's. There's a, it's under the guise of doing something for someone else or for other people, but ultimately everything that we engage in is for us and it's a part of our development. And the book was a part of that. You know, I was very blessed in the fact that you know I have the best agent in the world, at William Morris, Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, who actually heads up the literary department there. You know, and we were placed at Random House directly with Gina Centrillo, who's the head of uh, Penguin Random House and subsequently assigned to the outrageously talented Julie Grau, who's published like Jay-Z and, and so many other great books. And so we had this destiny about this book. And there was this natural progression about this book that happened. And for me, the reason why it came into being was because I'm always willing to just be myself. That in some ways, I think the people think that a book um, is something that is going to acknowledge them or validate them. And for me, it was never that. It was my willingness to be vulnerable and to be myself and to show up as myself that led to this extension of me in the form of this book, in the form of the words on the page, being born and being shared in the world. And so, you know, it's just an incredible process, Christine, and just so powerful and so transformative for myself. And actually, before the book came out, I was absolutely... Petrified and risking embarrassment because I was so transparent mm-hmm. in it, and when it when you're that afraid or that anxious or nervous about what you're putting out in the world, you know it's going to connect with people and it was yeah. the process of writing it that allowed me to get to that place to where now you know literally thousands and thousands of people from around the world are going on this journey, and it's only you know been a week into it, you know or ten days into it, and so I can't wait to see how this book impacts people and serves as a a reminder and a catalyst for them.
1: So beautifully said. There's so many nuggets here that I hope you're all writing down. Um, The fact that you said, you know, what we do, we ultimately do for ourselves, which kind of puts an exclamation mark on what I just taught about the four levels. Writing a transformational book begins with you begins with you, it has to or it really can't be anything Um, and also what you shared about being willing to just be yourself the most empowering and liberating thing I think that we can do is simply tell the truth, be who we are, Um, not try to compromise ourselves and as you said so beautifully when you're putting words on the page um, it's a little different than just speaking it Um, and some of you I know have been experiencing this, this this in your journey um, now, it's it's interesting, Panache, right? There was sort of like before Oprah and then after Oprah. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like at least in my world, I have been seeing you everywhere, right? You show up in my mailbox on the back of the flyer for the Omega Institute. You know, I see you in my in- – it's just like I feel like you're everywhere. Um, and I'm curious just to hear from your perspective if – um, your visibility, your presence, um, emerging like it is right now, and impacting so many more people—does that have to do more, you feel, with what you're doing on the physical plane, or who you're being, how you're vibrating in the world? What's your what's your experience that's having all this happen, or is it a combination?
2: You know, I think it's an amalgamation of them both. I think that. You know, you can have this essence of who you are, but without putting forth the right effort, and right effort meaning effort that is harmonious, effort that is born of peacefulness, of connection. Without that, the expression and the essence of who you are will never be shared in the world. And so I think there's a there's a, a harmony and almost a synergy between both aspects. And for me, you know, the funny thing is that I was always everywhere. It's just that Post-Oprah, you know, again, she shines this huge light on you to the point where there's a greater awareness about you in mainstream America and, and in aspects of the world. And all of a sudden there's a different level of recognition around your name and what you're doing. But again, you know, you have to be ready. It's like when you step into that world, it's like she's a huge vortex of expansion, literally. I mean, everything that she comes into contact with is elevated into its greatest expression. And you will either step into that fire and deal with everything that's inauthentic within you, and deal with your emotional wounds and traumas, or you will sink and you will drown and For me, my commitment was always to evolve and to grow and to allow this experience to be a catalytic event in my life, which it was in some ways it's like Oprah did for me what I have the honor of holding space for other people for, which is for them to come into alignment with their authentic truth and so it's like i met my I met my mirror. And I met my mirror so profoundly that it fundamentally shook my version of my reality to its core. And of course, this is all great fodder for writing a book, because... This is exactly what you want to talk about. You want to talk about the stuff that embarrasses you, that you're ashamed of, that you're petrified that if people find out this about you, that they won't like you or they won't love you. That's what makes a great book. That's what allows the words on the page to come to life in the mind of the reader and the heart and soul of that individual. And that's what allows for the transformation. And so, again, the timing of this was just perfect. You know, my life, thankfully, um, post-Oprah, And pre-Oprah was my daughter's. My daughter's just been born. And so I had a tangible, practical thing every day that I was doing, like changing the cat litter, changing diapers, you know, taking out the trash. Being a father was a constant in the midst of all of this. And so there were so many blessings that were just prevalent in my life at that time that were allowing for this work to be born, for this incubation to happen, and for this transformation to occur, you know, that, that... painful, yet necessary metamorphosis out of caterpillar into butterfly.
1: Mm. Now, um, what I'd love to talk with you about, right, because we have authors, um, aspiring authors, published authors, listening on the line from, you know, every aspect of the journey. Some haven't written a word. Some are already published authors. Some are, you know, still sort of in the process of placing their foot firmly on this transformational path. Um, some have been, you know, on a deep personal transformational and spiritual journey for decades. And I know some of the concepts in your book on discovering your soul signature can probably assist people on this journey, no matter where they are. Um, So would you be willing to just take some time to share some of the concepts that you you teach in that book that could be relevant for this particular audience of published and many, many, many aspiring transformational authors?
2: Absolutely, it would be my honor. So the first thing that, that I began to realize in the midst of this creative process was that there's a natural flow to things. There's a natural timing to things. So it's almost like there's this river that runs through life. And that in any given moment, we're either pushing against that river, which means that we have our own expectations and our own outcomes in mind or where we believe that we should be, which really just creates suffering. Or we're actually just flowing along with this river and allowing it to run its course and allowing us to take take us to where it needs to go. And what I've discovered, Christine, is that um, people are either available to feel their feelings in the midst of their journey or they're repressing or suppressing them and that's why in the book and discovering your soul signature your soul signature is your core essence it is who you are it is your most authentic self and I've discovered that who we are at our core is actually love there's this infinite wellspring of love that resides within every single human being and that love is creative, that love is abundant, that love is healthy and radiant and luminous, that love is able to be intimate and connected in a way that most people only dream of. And that the more I embarked on this journey and the the book is literally staged as as a transformation adventure out of fear into love because for me that's the greatest shift that we're all in the midst of. You know, if you're just about to write your book The thing that stops you from committing that first word to the page is your fear. Your fear of failure or maybe even your fear of success. Let's say you've written your book and you're actually out in the world and you're about to um, uh, go after an agent or go after a publisher. Well, what you have to confront then is your fear of rejection or your fear of acceptance. And ultimately, once you've written the book, then, of course, there's the ultimate fear which is that my soul that I've poured onto these pages will not be received by my fellow human beings. Rejection, abandonment, disappointment. And underneath all of these different phases of the creative process, there are actually emotional layers that we have to be willing to feel as authors and as writers. And I believe that the more we can access our sadness and our fear and our anger, And the more we can be vulnerable in our emotionality as we're translating our experiences into the written word, the more we have an ability to transcend the written word and deliver something that has the ability to ascend the reader into their greatest and grandest expression. The more we are raw and vulnerable, and so that's why literally in every single stage of this book, in going through every single facet of this book, it's like I almost had to deeply immerse myself in it. You know, it's the equivalent of, it's like being Daniel Day-Lewis and stepping into a character and never breaking character. It's like I finally had to fully embrace the character of panache and be so fully committed to that and so fully committed to the pain of that and the jubilation of that and the joy of that and the sorrow of that and the potential abandonment and rejection and betrayal and all of these wonderful things that we get to feel as human beings that ultimately... By the end of it, it didn't matter whether it was ever received by another person or not. I had allowed the creative process to fundamentally destroy every false notion that I had in my mind of myself. And so, again, it's feel the fear. Experience your fear. Naturally, you're going to be terrified before you write something, especially if it's transformational, especially if it's personal, especially if it's drawing on your personal experience. Feel the fear. Take some breaths. Experience that fear and then do it anyway. And then before you know it, words become sentences. Sentences become paragraphs. Paragraphs become chapters. Chapters become a book. And that's the journey. When you get to a place that's deeply emotional, a place of trauma, you know, in, in your life that you experience. Like for me, I talk about the time when I was bullied. And I remember that I would cry myself to sleep because I didn't want to share The abject pain of this being bullied with my parents. And so I internalized it and I would just cry myself to sleep. And I even got to a point where I questioned my very existence. And it's like I had to go there. I had to be willing to put myself back in that place of sadness. Back in that place of rejection. Back in that place of questioning my existence. In order to connect with this greater collective expression that is humanity. And especially those parts... That are, willing to, that are on the verge of, in the same way as I was, giving up on themselves. It's like we have to go to those parts of ourselves that we're afraid to go to in order to reach out to the most people that we can in order to impact the most people that we can on this earth. And there's the same thing with my anger. You know, We have to be willing to go beyond societal norms and our conditioning in order to get to the truth. And the truth is that anger is a great emotion. It's a great energy it's just never been modeled to us constructively and so in writing this book and in undergoing all of these different stages and all these different phases one of my favorite chapters is actually um, uh, inner sabotage and inner self-sabotage and this greater recognition that even once you've gone through all of that right when you're on the verge of your breakthrough right when you're on the verge of something immense happening in your life the inner saboteur kicks in and tries to undermine the magnificence that you're available to in each moment. And so, you know, this whole book is actually a blueprint on how to align with your authentic self, how to navigate the aspects of yourself that you've been taught are wrong or bad and to meet them with spaciousness and nurturing and love, which I believe is the most essential thing, especially when you're creative, especially when you're Empathic, especially when you're speaking about these subjects, especially when you're including yourself and your story in the greater transformational um, uh, dialogue that you're delivering.
1: Thank you. Um, I have a feeling that we may have some people right now who might really be yearning to experience and know what it is that you are so beautifully and profoundly speaking about and i have a feeling we have some who are hearing the words um, but aren't yet having a connection with an understanding or how do they do that feel my anger feel my fear like you know they have lives to keep together and families and you know, things to do, and they might just be going, yeah, sounds great, you know, but what does that look like in my life? How do I do that if I don't even have a deep understanding of what Panache is saying? I just know that it feels right. Can you talk to anyone that's listening that might have that kind of sense, like this feels right, but like, how do I do this?
2: Well, you know, the the first step is to cultivate the awareness that, you know, all of these different aspects of who we are as human beings are not wrong and they're not bad. So, for example, sadness is a part of life and living. Fear is a natural part of life and living. Actually, when fear arises in your experience, you're about to have a breakthrough. You're about to step outside of your comfort zone. Anger is a natural part of life and living. It's just that we've never been shown how to navigate these aspects of ourselves. And so what I've discovered is a way for us to navigate our humanity with grace and ease. And that's not to say that life isn't still going to happen. It is. So, for example, you wake up in the morning and your husband's dirty underwear is still on the floor in the bathroom. Instead of going to that place of reactivity to where now this is probably the 50th time that you've expressed your disgust at the fact that you continually have to pick up these box shorts off the floor, in that moment... If we can cultivate the awareness that in this moment all that needs to happen is we need to stop we need to slow down and we need to stop breathing and that actually in truth we need to just be available for what we are feeling inside of us because the boxer shorts in this moment are indeed our greatest teacher it could be boxer shorts it can be shorts whatever that nagging thing is that you keep doing over and over again with your spouse but in that moment If we actually act on the impulse to react, we've lost the moment of transformation. But if we can stop and we can slow down and we can start to breathe and connect with our breath, we can allow the greater energy of anger that's there to begin to come up and wash through us. And literally what happens is the experience of anger begins and ends in you. You know, in the book, I always say to people that people aren't making you angry they're just reminding you of the anger that you already have inside of you. And that awareness in and of itself can shift your entire life because we are constantly led to believe that we are angry because of another person. You know, For example, if you have teenagers, you know, you're constantly trying to have your teenagers be another way than the way they're showing up, and it's a constant source of irritation. We completely ignore the fact that their neurobiological uh, functioning hasn't even fully kicked in yet. So they're actually, for the most part, unable to process on a cognitive level what you're asking them to do. Now, you can keep asking them to do it 15 times. And it may take 15 times in order for them to do it, but that's because their brain cannot process what you are asking them to do, especially in the case of boys. Now, if we could actually, in that moment, just stop and relax and have a moment of awareness... And just experience the anger or the frustration or the sadness or whatever that is, the disrespect that you feel and get to the emotion that's underneath it. You can actually begin to then experience what's there. Again, life is happening for us. It's not happening to us. Same thing with fear. In life, fear is a natural part of life and living. Everything in nature navigates fear gracefully. A zebra sees a lion, it runs. Its survival depends on it. Once the lion's gone, it shakes out the fear and it gets on with eating the grass or whatever it is that zebras eat. Pancakes. Uh We as human beings hold on to our fear. We hoard it, we accumulate it to the point where it just becomes unworkable and unmanageable inside of us. And what I've discovered actually is that our anger, when repressed or suppressed, becomes rage. Our sadness, when we accumulate it inside of us, becomes depression and all of these things form a heaviness inside of us. And that... What's essential is that we as human beings cultivate this spacious, nurturing ability towards ourselves that we can so readily offer to everyone else, but that we so scarcely offer to ourselves. I always liken it to this description, this analogy. It's like you know, there are two kids in a playground, and one of, these cho- one of these kids falls over and bangs its head. And goes running up to his mother, and his mother immediately starts to break this child and says, I didn't raise you to cry in public. You're embarrassing me. What's wrong with you? You're not even hurt. Get over it. Absolutely traumatizes that child. Never finds completion. Second child falls over, bangs his head, goes running up to his mother. mother gets down on this child's level, kisses the child. How can I help you? How can I make it better? I'm here for you. Gives that child a hug. Within the space of a few seconds, that child is back. To being in its normal state of authenticity and connection, and it goes back to playing. Well, in that same way, Christine, we are either that first parent or that second parent. And if we really want to excel, especially creatively at the highest level, then we have to start being that second parent towards ourself. The one who is nurturing, the one who is spacious, the one who is understanding, the one who ultimately meets us with love. We need to start being that to ourselves. And so, when you get triggered, when life happens, stop, slow down, and breathe. The other great thing that you can do is actually have discovered a way to turn life into living meditation. And that is to rest in the awareness of your breath. Just simply observe your inhalation and exhalation as it unfolds in each moment. The more you do that, the more naturally you calm down. Your central nervous system calms down. You disengage from those fight-or-flight responses the fear-based reactions that run you, that you then subsequently feel guilty about after the fact, you can then start to be peaceful in the midst of life. Resting in the awareness of your breath transforms your life into a living meditation. When you are triggered, stop, slow down, and breathe. Acceptance Mm. is the linchpin of this whole thing because more often than not, we meet ourselves with judgment. The more we can accept and embrace ourselves, the more we open up the doorway to self-love and ultimately then we open up the doorway to this universal love, this greater love that every great being and every great poet saint and every great master and teacher has spoken of since the beginning of time
0: hmm. and so
2: use one of these three things you know, if you in in that moment when you find yourself being angry just accept the fact that you're angry that it's about you it's not about anyone else stop slowly on and breathe the rest of the day just rest in the awareness of the breath meet yourself with love with nurturing, with spaciousness, and compassion, and you will be the most successful person on the earth. And you won't even have to chase it; it will find you. That's yeah, the visual signature.
1: Yeah. Oh, amazing! And I just had a vision as you were speaking there about you know what do you do? Number one, stop. Number two, slow down. Number three, breathe. And I had this vision. I don't know if you've had this happen or those of you listening have had this happen, but do you remember when we were children at school and we were taught what to do in the case of a fire? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I still remember, right? I'm almost 50. I still remember, stop, drop, and roll. Mm-hmm. Stop, drop, and roll. It's ingrained in my being. Fire comes. Fire is on me. I stop. I drop. I roll. It's never happened. I hope it never does, but um, that that uh, sort of default mechanism me that learned that at such a young age, that's what I would do should I ever be in that situation. And as you were talking, Panache, I just had a vision of, like, what would be possible if in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, every child on the planet right alongside stop, drop, and roll were also taught stop, slow down, breathe. I mean, it's amazing to think of the world that we would live in if this was the default that we all went to when the shorts were left on the floor or the teenager didn't listen for the 15th time or dinner got burned or you missed the post office or, mm-hmm. you know, you sit down and face a blank page and nothing comes. Um, I just, as you were talking, I couldn't help but sort of envision um, what what would be possible if all of humanity embraced
2: You know, it's it, it, The amazing thing is, actually, that if we could all step into this place of love and acceptance, every conflict that we have on the planet would end overnight. And if we could all step into this place of acceptance of who we are, famine and war and all of these things that we really don't want to see in the world anymore would have no choice but to end. Because what I've discovered is that there would be nothing fueling them anymore. It's like if we could be responsible for our anger and accountable for it and recognize that it's within us, And if we're really committed to a peaceful planet, then we must first find peace within ourselves by being honest with ourselves and by taking a good hard look at who we are, not through the lens of judgment, but through the lens of love and acceptance, recognizing that who we are is not a mistake, that we all have this dynamic potential inside of us, and that actually the more we can accept who we are, the more that dynamic potential, soul, spirit, love, whatever you want to call it, begins to emanate through us. And as it emanates through us, it begins to remind everybody around us of who they are as well. And a book that's written from that place or a film that's made from that place or a TV series that's written from that place, any creative endeavor that is born of that place of connection becomes a transformational work that will ignite this remembrance in millions of people. And so for me, I would love for this to be a part of the curriculum, not only in school. It's like the handbook that we didn't get when we were born on this planet. But I'd like yeah. it to be in colleges. I'd like it to be in, in all kinds of um, higher learning institutions because it's essential to our evolution. We can literally, by practicing these ideas, and I'm not asking you to take my word, friend. I'm asking you to put it into practice in your life. We can literally end suffering within three generations. That's the power of this.
1: I have a question for you um i'm just I'm noticing our time. We've got mm, about twenty five minutes or so still left on this class, and I just feel like i'm I'm being very prompted to ask you if you'd actually be willing to guide us through a process um and let people right now in this moment actually have an experience um of what it's like to be in contact with that breath and to be in a deeper state of love and self-acceptance not from hearing us um, talk more about it but from you guiding them through an experience to actually feel it in their own uh being in their own essence would you be willing to do that
2: absolutely yeah I'd love yeah, to do that. yeah okay do
1: that.
2: so let's um... do that So um, hopefully you're not driving, so don't do this if you're driving or operating heavy machinery. But if you're somewhere where you're quiet and you can be peaceful, then do this. Otherwise you can catch it in the recording, I'm sure. But just um, close your eyes, just open your palms, and just take some deep breaths. Just allow your body to relax. And all I would like you to do is just simply observe. Your inhalation and your exhalation, as it naturally occurs, as it naturally arises and subsides, just watch it. The highest form of spiritual practice is simply to observe oneself without judgment. Observing one's breath places us in the highest state of being there is rest in the awareness of your breath we are in every moment surrounded by this infinite field of potentiality possibility and love and the degree to which we've embraced our anger sadness and fear determines the degree to which our life works and our life flourishes And the degree to which we are able to create and excel. So, I just want you all to know that I love your anger. I love your rage. I love your sadness. I love your depression. I love your fear. I love your anxiety. I love your stress. I love your worry. I love every source of tension that you have, and that instead of fighting against our guilt and our shame, it's time to now embrace the parts of ourselves that we hide, your addictive patterns and behaviors. All of the ways in which you distract yourself from feeling and being available for life. I'm just going to ask of this greater infinite field of energy, of presence, of potential that is always around you and that lives within you to begin to help you just start to embrace everything that you've judged and labeled within you as less than, wrong and bad. it isn't just allow this infinite presence to embrace you for who you are as you are whether you've written three books and none of them have ever sold or whether you've just afraid and absolutely petrified at writing your first book Or whether you've had a New York Times bestseller. That ultimately none of those external achievements deem you to be more or less lovable as a human being. That love is not dependent on our external situations and circumstances. It is not conditional. But that this love, this source of creativity, this source of inspiration, this evolutionary impulse is always present. So we're just going to invite this golden luminous energy to just come flooding in through your palms, through the crown of your head, through your feet. And we're just going to ask that this golden luminous presence that lives within us, who we are at our most authentic core, our spiritual DNA, our soul signature, begin to bubble up from deep within. That our past be embraced. That we recognize that we cannot hold ourselves hostage for the awareness that we did not have in our teens and in our twenties and in our thirties. But that in truth, all that needs to be done with the past is that it needs to simply be met with compassion. Tenderness. Gentleness. For every choice and every decision. For all that you are. Just going to ask that this presence continue to support you in integrating and embracing the burdens and the heaviness of life. This emotional heaviness that accumulates in us all that keeps us blocked and separate and distanced from our dynamic potential. Continue to observe the breath. Be available for your tears. Allow the fear to shake out of every cell. And just allow anger to erupt from within you like a volcano. Allow it to flow. Allow it all to flow. It all wants to move. It all wants to be free. It all wants to return back to the infinite source from where it came. Energy is only ever shifting state, and emotions are nothing more than energies in motion. Allow your fear to be in motion. Allow your anger to be in motion. Allow your sadness to be in motion. And receive. The more the heaviness of life is lifted off of you, the more a lightness of being begins to emerge from within you. So I'm just going to ask that this greater transformation continue to unfold from this moment on within you until you are once again living in the complete remembrance that you are an infinite being with an infinite potential. And that there is nothing outside of you that defines you. That you actually start to live your life from the inside out instead of from the outside in. And that you begin to walk diligently towards your destiny, recognizing that it is already so. It is already done. And that now you are merely having the exciting adventure of observing that which has already occurred. Just take some deep breaths. And gently and slowly you can once again bring your awareness back to your body. And in your back you can open your eyes. Christine, in your back you can say hello. Hello.
1: I feel like I want to say is, do I have to come back?
2: No, you don't. You can stay in it, and I'll just interview myself. Ah. <laughs> Which has happened to before. Oh.
1: I am um, not, not surprised to hear that. I'm not surprised at all to hear that. I feel like I want to give people an opportunity. I know a lot of you have their notes pages out. Um, it feels like this might be a great opportunity for us just to be in silence maybe for a minute or so, because um, for some of you, a lot just happened. A lot just happened. Um, some of you don't even know what happened, but you know it was something. Um, what I'm going to invite you to do is just for a minute, that's it, um, just put pen to paper and just write. What, and you're not writing for a book, although um, it's the deep stuff that does help the best book emerge. Just write to just put to the page um, anything that you just experienced, that you felt, that you want to remember, that you want to go back to and be able to reflect on at another time. Some of it's in your cells, yes, and some of you might just want to sit in silence for another minute. Um, and some of you may feel like I want to write down what I just saw as true or experienced as true in myself. So let's just take a minute to do that and Panash and I will just stay here and breathe and hold this um, hold this space for you to just jot down whatever's there. Alrighty, take a moment to just wrap up that thought, or by all means, if it feels right for you to just keep writing while we start talking again, um, then do that. Do whatever feels right for you right now in this moment. Um, And again, thank you Pranash for being willing to spontaneously uh, to do that for everyone. I feel like there were some big shifts that, that happened. Um, to help them have that experience for themselves. So thank you. Thank you. Hmm. Now, it's kind of hard for me to shift gears a little bit, so I'm just finding the right way to ask you the next question. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, of what you've shared and taught and brought to us so far today, Is there anything additional that you feel you want to add that may serve a person exactly in the moment? Like maybe they had felt the fear, and this class just right now has helped them really step forward. Um, And they're feeling this feeling of, you know, I can do this. I I hear what Panache is saying. I am you know, ready to transform, you know, my fear into love and be transparent on the page and they're feeling like, yes, I can do this. Um, what would you say to that person who is feeling that way now? Um, what would you say to help them when a week, a month, six months from now, um, they've kind of forgotten what they may be feeling right now in terms of confidence and clarity and willing to do it, you know, and, and move through that fear, um, to help them come back to what they feel now as, I can do this, I was born for this, I'm ready. How how for someone who's kind of started a path and fallen, um, I shouldn't say fallen, but, you know, shifted. And life isn't going as well, and isn't as graceful and easy and fluid as they want it to be and there' there's stuff happening, but they don't know how to get back um Can you speak to that just for a moment?
2: yeah I, I think that and again, you know I can draw on my own experience because this is only my first book, and I'm sure people are listening have written more books than I have, but for me the the two things that really helped me were consistency and commitment you know it, it's um it is easy in any given moment to fall back into our old behaviors and to forgo the commitment that we've made to this creative endeavor and i think that in some ways it was easier for me because it was my first book so i had no preconceived notions or ideas about what the creative process was supposed to be like and i was able to just consistently commit every day to allowing whatever wanted to be shared to be shared and that Ultimately, I think that when we put undue pressure on ourselves to produce, we're stifling the creative flow, that there's naturally a spigot that's turned on, and we just have to be there to collect the drops. And sometimes it's drops, and sometimes it's half a glassful, and sometimes it's an entire glassful, and sometimes the glass overflows. But on those days where you're consistent and you commit and you get drops, be grateful for the drops. And on on those days where you're consistent and you commit and you get... You know half a glass, be grateful for that in those days where you know you're consistent, you commit and the glass is full and overflowing. ride right that wave of momentum. The more we are clear in who we are, and the more we have authentically embraced who we are, the easier this flow of dynamic information begins to happen through us until before you know it, a book has fully formed, or an idea for a book is fully formed on the page, and so Consistency and commitment, not for someone else, but I think most importantly for you as an act of self-love, that you are indeed going to follow through on what you have promised for yourself. Whether another person ever reads it or not doesn't matter, but that you are not going to let yourself down. I think that one of the greatest things that gets in the way of the creative process are our unfulfilled uh, promises that we don't ever get complete with ourselves. And that we leave all these loose ends lying around and then eventually our word almost becomes worthless to ourselves. And it's like we have to reestablish that connection. So even if you said it for the millionth time, take the relevant action that's in alignment with what you have said to bring forth, you know, what needs to be born in that moment. And even if it's a drop, it was time well spent. Even if it's half a glass, it was time well spent. Even if it's a a full and overflowing period of time where everything is just moving through you in a way that is unprecedented. It was worthwhile. Don't judge or evaluate it. Just show up in the midst of the fear, risking embarrassment, risking rejection, risking, you know, everything that there is to risk in life when you step out of your comfort zone and move into a greater expression because that's when the magic happens. And the more you are risking embarrassment the more you're writing a bestseller the more you are exposing parts of yourself that you don't want people to see or know the more you are tapping into the collective experience and the collective tapestry of what it means to be human and the more your book will have an appeal beyond its existing genre and so consistency and commitment and risk risk it all Risk that someone's going to read it and hate you for what you've written. Risk that someone's going to read it and love you for what you've written. Risk that someone's going to read it and be turned off by what you've written. And risk that someone's going to read it and decide that they don't want to commit suicide because of what you've written. But ultimately take the chance. Consistency and commitment to yourself and your creative process will help carry you through.
1: I hope you've all got that written down, maybe even on a sticky note or ten sticky notes that you put around your environment to remind you consistency, commitment, and be willing to risk. And like Panache said, it doesn't matter if you've told yourself a million times before. What matters is that you tell yourself one one more time without judgment for what's happened in the past, and be consistent and committed and willing to risk. So just consider that, um, the service that this recording might have for you next month, next year, or five years from now when you're writing your fifth book, maybe the second one that's going to hit the New York Times bestseller list, who knows. Um, but Panash was just so generous of heart and spirit and um, information and wisdom and peacefulness um, and process with that meditation um, that I just don't want any of you to miss out on the value of what you just received. Um, so with that uh, being said, Panache, are there any... Um, Final words of wisdom, any exclamation mark that you want to put on anything as we prepare um, to at least say goodbye for today.
2: That at all costs, in all situations, in all circumstances, regardless of who you are with or what you are being told, never compromise your authentic expression. Stand firm in who you are. Bear your soul. Leave no part of you unturned or undiscovered. Embark on the greatest journey of all, which is discovering your soul signature. And in doing so, tap into an ability to connect with every single human being that is alive today. You are here to touch, move and inspire an entire population of people. Touch, move, and inspire yourself first by knowing yourself, by loving yourself, and by unleashing the love that has always lived within you. I love you all, and I thank you with all that I am for loving me.
1: Hmm. Thank you so much, Panash, for taking time um, to be with me and to be with everyone listening. And also thank you um, to all of you who did tune in, who really opened, who allowed yourself to fully embrace this first step in our curriculum here, this first step of the journey, which is about this path of transformation. This is only the beginning. We're going to have an amazing journey over the next two weeks together. And, um, Panash, quite honestly, I can't think of another human being on the planet that could have been more perfectly um, aligned and timed to deliver this message at this time. So thank you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it was my pleasure, really. Um, So you all know where you can go learn more about Panash by now. I would encourage you to go grab a copy of his book, Discovering Your Soul Signature, So this is Christine Closer, the transformation catalyst, uh, creator of this transformational author experience, and I'm signing off for now. I want to wish you abundant, abundant blessings on
0: your transformational journey. Namaste. I hope you enjoyed today's flashback episode. I'm sure you can see why I wanted to dust this interview off and share it with you today. Be sure to keep listening for more great flashback shows coming up in the future. And now it's time for the regular show close. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Your Book Done. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about today. And if you want my help with your book, head over to christinecloser.com to learn more and get a free copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant, which will show you how to blueprint your book in 15 minutes or less. The Get Your Book Done podcast is where the leading conversation is happening for transformational authors everywhere, and I'm grateful you tuned in.